Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, the podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that's important to them when they were young. This uh, it's 2020, everybody. Oh my God, it's a brave new year. We did it. Um, our guest today is a writer whose um, short story, Balloon Animals, was up for Best Short Story at the Irish Book Awards. And I read it and loved it. I was like, I'm going to get her on the show. Mm. And she's here. It's Hi. Laura Blaze McDool. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And also, you're talking about something we don't really talk about on here, which is music. Yeah. So what are you going to talk about? Tell us. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, Florence Welsh of Florence and the Machine. Awesome. Um, who was, like, absolutely huge for me when I was, like, like 15, 16. Um, she was kind of, I think they're, like, the first, like, um, person in the media of any kind who I like fully like was like oh my god like she like she gets me and like <laughs> I think because music had always been like pretty important to me growing up like my parents listened to a lot of music and like even when I was like my dad said told me that when I was like two I used to request that he put on Joe's band and be re- referring to the clash because he'd like told me all about <laughs> Joe Strummer um, and then my dad used to manage a band and stuff so like music was very like big in our household but I think when I was kind of originally getting into music, it was kind of very much like um, Nirvana and like Green Day and the Ramones and mm-hmm. like all we of all these. We all have like, a few Green Day years. Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. oh my, yeah. my, yeah. mine never left me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Central bank chic. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, I think like. Sorry, <laughs> 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 having flashbacks. No, I do. And I fucked her and never went. <laughs> I did see Green Day though and yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, oh, totally. Abba Esk were playing after them, but I got kicked in the back and had to go back to the campsite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rock and roll. <laughs> I was fifteen. Yeah, but yeah. Um, um, and but Florence is very unlike those right? yeah so basically um so I'd been kind of like like been like really enjoyed um kind of getting into those bands when I was like I think I had a, I had a strange primary school class in that like it was the cool thing was to like when we were like 11 was like like the Ramones Whoa. Yeah. yeah, like it was like kind of unconventional. Like there was like, probably a, like a league of big brothers and big big sisters, right? I don't know actually. Mm. Yeah, I and now that I think of it, almost everyone involved in the liking of those bands was an oldest child. Oh, weird enough. But I think there might have been a lot of parental influence. I'm not sure where it Maybe. came from. Yeah. But I also I think do you remember that is Asha still there in the Stevens mm-hmm. Green Center? The, mm-hmm. the they are area? still somehow oh, there. Amazing. Um, their pink neon sign. Yeah. Hanging up in the corner. Yeah. So like. For anyone who didn't experience this earlier, like Ash is a kind of a kind of go, like gothy. Emo. It was a goth shop. It was a goth shop. It was a goth shop when I was and, a teenager. Yeah, yeah, and they um, sold goth stuff. And it was very and expensive. Drug paraphernalia. Drug paraphernalia. <laughs> lots and, uh, of skins. Deadly rings for like mm. metal uh, lovers. Yeah, <laughs> the ones that are like a crow's face, but they're yeah, like whole I finger. Saved okay. up my pocket money to buy one that was like a cobra. That was clearly for like um, a like Metallica man. Yeah, like, uh, like that was like longer than my own hand. I like went across the entire finger and had like three joints in it, and I still have it, but it never fit me because I never turned into need the Metallica to. man <laughs> in my dreams. Didn't need to be no, I like man. carried it around thinking it was like some sort of like wizard's like oracle. And um, I had a weird. This is kind of going a little bit off topic, but I did have Go a sort of straight. I think it kind of relates to Florence like tangentially because she's got this fuck. Let's yeah, be real. So yeah. I had a strange like overlapping of interests. So when I was like. When I was like 11, we were all listening to like Nirvana and the Ramones and stuff. And I really did enjoy that music, but I also like hadn't come out of my like really into dragons phase. So I like, I was like really into like dragons and fairies and witches and stuff and like mm-hmm. totally like 
was in that world. That makes Asha, that makes Asha yeah. make more sense because didn't they have, do probably still do yeah. those lovely little uh, statues of yeah. dragons and fairies just like reclining on a rock. Yeah, yeah. Covering so yeah. there was that like, like it was it was like I justified it, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I did you um ever see that Dragonology book? It was really popular. Um, I guess in like two thousand and four. It's like absolutely gorgeous, big red square book with a like bejeweled cover, and the whole vibe was that it was like written by a Doctor Drake <gasps> who was um a dragon expert and he travelled around the world yeah. um, like studying dragons and it has all these absolutely stunning illustrations it's written as a as a guide to dragons mm. in the world so like it's totally um, believable isn't it's it beautiful it's beautiful it's got Ooh, this beautiful yeah. silver cover yeah, yeah yeah stunning and like there was also like a kind of um, accompanying smaller book where you where it had like dragonology activities that you could like do to like study your own dragons and everything. <laughs> oh it was class so I remember but it's funny whenever I listen to Nevermind by Nirvana I'm thinking about dragons because I like the specific dragons from that because I used to study my dragonology book while having Nevermind by Nirvana like blasting so there was this weird like kind of overlap of like magic and music that had always happened for me um, but the music I was listening to as much as I loved it and it evoked lots of like cool emotions in me I like didn't <laughs> like uh, Billy Joe Armstrong was not singing to me about mm. you know things that I knew about yeah. I had never been high <laughs> so like you know there was that but I think then so I was a really big reader of um, The Enemy I used to have like my bedroom plastered in Enemy um covers and everything and um, I remember reading an interview with Florence and she must have been only like 21 or 22 and yeah. I think it was like one of her first they were into her from the very yeah, start yeah they were like yeah, championing yeah. her from the start what a and, difference like, that must have made yeah. for, like, someone showed I didn't even realise Florence and the Machine yeah. were a band for a very long time because they were so into Florence, Florence Welsh yeah. Yeah. I just thought Florence and the Machine was like her like pseudonym yeah uh, like huh. Marina and the Diamonds and that yeah, yeah 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 she does have a band and I think but I think like early on only one or two people who were originally in the band are still in it. Like they yeah. always kind they of like, like yeah, wedding band. Like, like, yeah, like, but it was like, like there was like a core three or four people yeah. for the first three albums. It was so it was an actual. It was just she's so outsized. Yeah, yeah. exactly. She's like it's like okay, you do it because yeah. it really, <laughs> it's much flow. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and she did. Yeah. Um, but back then she was like, like it, it's really funny to. I was actually like looking because I used to. I actually had kept the interview. I think, and she's wearing like. She's wearing like I think like a Burberry T-shirt and like stuff that like totally wouldn't be synonymous mm. with her now. Yeah. Um. But but again, they've set her up in a sort of room with like all sorts of like bird cages and stuff. So the, the aesthetic was coming in. Mm. But anyway, in that interview, I remember she like, she's just kind of to being totally herself and totally uninhibited. And she's kind of talking about um, she's like, oh, I spent my sixteenth birthday high as a kite, jumping out of trees. I remember amazing, that hitting the yeah, ground. Yeah. Like. Uh, th- never had done that but <laughs> like there was something about that quote that like really like um uh, spoke to me or something I was like oh my god that's the exact kind of imagery that like my brain is constantly going for and like there was something about like the idea of like I was a really I was a really big tree climber as a child but like, it was very important yeah. to me I had a life up there yeah. <laughs> like you know and um there was something about the way that she talked about kind of doing all this like kind of like out there stuff that like to me at 16 I had never 
uh, I had not come to terms with how I had been as a child. Like, I, I was still terribly embarrassed about, like, a believing in dragons on a cup so you couldn't have anybody really know that and mm. uh, there was uh, I really wasn't um, anywhere close to like owning that and to see Florence kind of talking about like oh I used to put spells on the boys in my class to like make them fall in love with me and stuff like she made it sound cool I was like oh well, it sounds good when she says it. Mm. maybe it's not so bad <laughs> um, so it kind of made me feel a little bit like um, seen in that way yeah. I feel like and um, in, a, in a way that perhaps Kurt Cobain had not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, I mean, and I think like it extended as well, like to like for when I, again, in my, my funny little primary school class, like we had totally, we're like little witches and like worshipped a tree in our yard at break times and stuff. Like we had a whole little coffin going on. It was a great time. But like once I got to secondary school, like absolutely couldn't talk about that. I went to secondary school without um, any, I went to a different one to all my friends, which, um, meant that I didn't have the like backup of like oh well we all did it so we can all like just <laughs> yeah. shut up about it like, together from, you know going and... to a different secondary school from your feeder school is oh, very strange difficult. I was the only yeah. person out of my I mean yeah. I felt really I felt really freed by that because okay. I hated primary it was a bad yeah. experience not okay. secondary school was much better but um <laughs> there I feel like it was the first like aside from going to college the only time I ever got a clean slate Oh, Do you know what interesting, I mean? Interesting, yeah. So, but I could totally see how, cause, and, and many of the girls in my mm. secondary year came together from a feeder school. So they yeah. already existed in a subculture that I yeah. had to break into. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, I was the exact same. And then like, it was sort of like, but I had had a really good primary school mm. experience and then kind of didn't really enjoy my first few years of secondary school because I was like, really trying to break into a, a world that I just had no idea how to navigate. Was it all girls? Mm. Yeah, it was. Yeah. All, so my primary school had been mixed, multi-denominational. Wow. Um, totally fab and progressive and great and like our class had been very small and like it had just suited me down to the mm. ground and then I kind of went to a uniform wearing Catholic girls school for secondary school and I just was like what the fuck Billy Joe Armstrong would hate this <laughs> he would hate this crushing of our individuality with uniforms and religion <laughs> and so like I, I had a little bit of difficulty sort of like navigating it and I just didn't and I, I, I kind of turned to music as a kind of identity at that time. Mm. Um, like, befriended people who also liked Green Day and mm. also liked good music. And they were the people that I tried to align myself with and was quite eager to be aligned with in mm. the eyes of the rest of my um, year group and that. So because music had been such a big part of my life but had not actually fulfilled a, a kind of um, a role of necessarily speaking to me or something like like it had always been a really big and important thing for me but um I had not at that time really felt connected. that it really connected and mm. I had never thought like oh like you know um Joey Ramone and I think the same way yeah no I, I didn't ever think that but then when I read like these interviews with Florence and she I mean I think like and I was I think what like drew me to her as well is quite quite early on when she's like 21, 22, starting to get famous to do interviews, she'd identified things within herself that like were really like advanced like realizations to have at that age, I feel like. She spoke and still speaks quite openly about like, like having like sort of like being a kind of anxious overthinking child and like having these fears of like monsters and things as a kid that like, then the feelings that she had then sort of like never left her and instead kind of just applied themselves to new worries as she grew older and I feel like that really I re that kind of spoke to me as well because like she sort of 
I had always felt quite, I was always like an anxious child and like despite having like a very supportive family and like never actually being like alone or unsupported um I didn't have the language to like communicate um feelings of like worry and anxiety that I had that I couldn't you know put my hands on at all mm. um I would sort of invent scenarios of like you know my parents dying or you know them having an undetected illness or myself having an undetected illness that 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 I could then apply these feelings to and then focus on those and there would always be things that I couldn't prove or couldn't de- like um prevent you know so I didn't have the language to kind of express what it was so it was just sort of this like big kind of like scary jellyfish that needed like mm. something to wrap its tentacles around so like and she spoke about that and then suddenly I had the language to speak about that even mm. like not even to anyone else but just to myself and articulate to myself what it was that I had sort of um experienced I feel like and I always find that really like um just like I kind of always felt kind of grateful to her for that Mm. Mm. and I think because like even like you know 10 years ago when I was in secondary school there was really no mental health discourse like the the mental health discourse is of the last 10 years Mm. and and specifically I would say the last five or seven years yeah I would say five five yeah Yeah. like there's really there was I mean I didn't even know anxiety was a mental health thing I thought everyone just Mm. felt that way and then just dealt with it better than me so it was this thing of like seeing somebody articulated as something that maybe not everybody went through and as something that you could like translate into um, art into art into an art form like that was cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but also like and not to like god i feel like i've gone right to the, like the dark heart of everything like <laughs> no, um, she helped me yeah. with my mental health but, but like, like, but, like she yeah, did. but yeah. like but also like she's also class like, yeah. she, <laughs> you know, like she's also really really funny and really like i felt like her whole like um i went to see her when i was I guess, yeah, I think when Amazing. I was 16. Um, oh my God. I know, my dad got us tickets. <laughs> and me and my friend, me, me and my friend, and my best friend at the time were like completely mutually obsessed with her, which was nice <laughs> to have that. But she, we went to see her in... Um, the Olympia, which is like such a gorgeous intimate mm-hmm. space. That's amazing yeah. to get to see her in such a yeah. like that's the right place to see Lawrence. Right, yeah. exactly. Like, and I mean, she takes up so much space, and like that's back when she was really like mental. You know, like she was like she was up on the speaker. She climbed up into one of the side boxes. Amazing. You know, and I was like, she looked me in the eye. She, she saw me. She, saw she looked me. into my soul. Um, yeah. I don't know what year that would have been because was, we were all obsessed with her in the fourth year in in our third and fourth years she, of college. Yeah, the first time was two thousand nine. Yeah, so, yeah. so it yeah. would have been that year, yeah. and uh, we did we did a lot of. Uh, myself and the three girls I hung around with all had red hair of varying lengths. Oh, yeah. Like, we were yeah. not 100% Little subtle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. And uh, that uh, lungs really got us through the end yeah. of college. And, and I think because it's such a... a and I, I didn't get to see her, um, but I think that particular time, you know, that's the right time. Like, times of huge change. Yeah. Be they mid-teen hellscape mm. or, oh, my God what the fuck is a dissertation yeah um she has a kind of a staggering presence and a yeah. melodrama yeah totally you know and that and that yeah. permits you to feel melodramatically yeah with totally. her and i know? feel like her albums actually lined up um with like times of my life that were very important like when i was like 16 that's kind of when my world opened up a little bit and we kind of got like a kind of had a new group of friends and like started going out going to parties and stuff and like had a whole kind of like new like lease on life <laughs> kind mm-hmm. of and um 
I was really into like lungs at that time and then her new her the next one ceremonials came out I think when I was in first year of college wow that's yeah. a big big leap right and then, that took a while didn't it yeah it was two years yeah two years yeah, and she was, but she was touring for almost that entire time. Yeah, because like, the album exploded, lungs exploded in America. It was huge. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, I turned out the first song of hers that I heard was "Kiss the Fist." So because she's yeah. not all gothic seriousness, no. she's mm. very playful. Yeah, but that is very out of place though in the total discography yeah, as well. The thing about yeah. lungs was that it was like every song was produced by somebody different. It was a patchwork quilt, oh. like because it, they'd all come out at different times. Some of them were off her EP, like whereas like the following albums were all produced by one person. So like they all feel a little bit more cohesive mm. in themselves. Um, whereas like Lungs is like this, like very much a first album of like everything thrown together, you know. Um, and it is much wilder than the other albums, isn't it? Yeah. I think maybe because every time it was a different producer, they were all like, we're going to do the big song. Yeah, exactly. This is going to be the big one. Yeah. And then every song is just there massive is, on it. There is not a subtle song. And no, like, they're all, <laughs> yeah, they're all huge. Yeah, yeah. Which like it's just was so great for mm-hmm. like my 16 year old Head what a what a fucking mode. gift to have that album at oh, sixteen! Yeah, like oh my god, mm. because it's so like I love dramatic music yeah. and I was like I don't fucking like music, but when I do like music, I like bangers, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You know, life is exactly. very short, you know, yeah. and lungs has that. I think if you heard any of those songs on the radio, you'd be like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. like um, Lift I used to be yeah. on a website called Metafilter, and there was like once you used to be a CD swap where you'd make a mix CD and send it to five people and they'd all send you a mix CD That's deadly. and nice. everybody exactly. would try to outdo each other with like fancy packaging or cool things so one year That's I did so two CDs one called Big Songs one called Small Songs and the very first song on Big Songs was Dog Days Are Over yeah, it was like it has yeah. to be it's the biggest song in the world it's so oh, good yeah. that still one of those ones that slightly moves me towards tears mm. like you know there's a very small handful of songs from a really particular time that just are like faucet right mm. but that one will like that one physically does something to me exactly. after all this time yeah. because I like, think yeah, it came out when I was in third year or fourth year and it's it's a violent piece of music like a good violence you know yeah it's so good and actually when I was when I was uh, re kind of looking at all of my like Florence obsession over the years uh, ahead of this podcast um I was thinking about the original video for Dog Days mm. which is um, not the one that comes up if you look up Dog Days you actually have to like Google Dog Days original video because the current one is her like oh. with a perm like prancing around a sort of white room Yeah, um, it's different and it's, mm. it's kind of a little bit more sanitised or something but the original one was a little bit low, lower budget and it's basically her with all her mates like um, and it tells this story kind of of like she wakes up in a forest she's wearing like a tuxedo and there were all these like kind of creepy like clowns looking out from behind the trees and like with like there's like bunting everywhere and they sort of lead her into this like clearing and there's then it kind of all explodes and I was watching it and I was like oh that's where my story balloon animals because <laughs> like the story that Alan mentioned at the start um it, it, it is about clowns in a forest <laughs> and I had never thought and like I've been asked like oh where did you get the inspiration for that story and I'm like oh no let's pull it my in imagination <laughs> yeah I, I invented it but like now that I like rewatched that video and I was like oh wow okay okay <laughs> oops <laughs> yeah like not that like any but it just that sort of um, imagery it's a seed of it yeah definitely mm. and like um, uh, but I, that that was something that like drew me to her as well as her aesthetic's been very strong since day one mm. and like the sort of imagery that she was um, creating the sort of outfits she was wearing she used to wear that clown costume that she wears in that video she used to wear it during her gigs I actually saw when she like finished her tour for I think it was the tour for how big how beautiful 
she, where she totally moved on aesthetically. Um, she brought that clown outfit again because Dublin was her last uh, night of that tour, and she wore the clown costume again as a sort of like full circle thing. Mm. And like I was like, oh my god! <laughs> but um, yeah. oh, there it is! Yeah, oh, she looks it great. Is this the one? Yeah. Oh my exactly. god, work queen. She's yeah, great. It's yeah. So good. in her little socks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I always felt like the. Um, the look, the look that she was the working look is solid, with, man. and also like the the images in her videos and the images in her songs, I had always sort of felt like they were quite, um, they were of the same world that my imagination was working in, mm. and like even though I'd never, I, I I kind of always felt like, oh god, if I just if I just pushed my brain a little bit further, I would have got there too, kind of thing, like and not like. Not like, oh, I, I, I could have done what she did, but you're like, describing yeah. exactly the, of the same. Like, okay, yeah. this is my life. It's You're describing the taste gap. Yeah. Do you know the taste gap? No. What's this? I'm going to pull Ira Glass. Ira Glass, yeah. So yeah. sorry. Oh, I I, 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 well, so Ira Glass <laughs> describes the, tape, the, taste gap, the taste gap as the chasm between where you stand mm. and where the things that you admire are. Yeah. It's a perceived chasm, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting here on the edge of the cliff always in my head Garuda Valley from the Ocarina of Time by the way that's what my taste gap looks like and on the other side with the tent and the carpenters is Carmen Maria Manchego do you know what I mean like the people who yeah. I want to be are like or like fucking Kelly Link I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna do this yeah. and that at once you love it and you're thrilled yeah. by it because you can see the thing that you want to be mm. but you're also paralysed by the distance between perceived distance mm. between you and that but you need to feel that like yeah. that's the most important thing as a practitioner no and I loved feeling it like oh it's the best feeling finding yeah. something to feel that about was like mm. so huge I like, feel like, like I feel like that, that vibe off of Lawrence a bit as well yeah. like, like she's so caught like it's not just songwriting and costume and aesthetic it's world building yeah right and like totally and I, I kind of I, yeah I just felt like my my internal imagination was sort of um uh, like you know operating in perhaps the same universe yeah. mm. as that um, and I had felt similarly I felt that 16 was a very big year for me when I was 16 I also read um, The Magic Toy Shop by Angela Carter oh re- that is wicked young to be at Angela Carter oh, oh. <laughs> well <laughs> um, yeah it like knocked my head off totally yeah. as well because it like I think I was I was at this so I was on this family holiday in Spain um, that I didn't want to be on because I was missing loads of free gaffes and I was just terribly miserable. And we'd gone to um, this market in the mountains for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. I've been on this holiday by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I missed the free gaffes. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm shuddering at the oh, thought yeah. of, this, of the free gaffes, gaffes that you miss when you, you get... It's normally uh, so your dad can haggle with someone and show off his haggling. Yeah. When you go to those oh, the flex. Dad oh. yeah. flex. Yeah. Dad's pain flex. Yeah. <laughs> so... I was, yeah, I was at this mountain market and I was looking at the books and I, I'd never heard of Angela Carter and I found the Magic Toy Shop and I picked it up and like I um, read the back of it and it said, and I have it written down here, um, one night Melanie walks through the garden in her mother's wedding dress. The next morning her world is shattered. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's me. I do that in my brain. Like, and I read, I opened it up and I read the first like couple of pages and I was like, oh, my mum was like don't buy that we have loads of Angela Carter at home we're trying to keep the luggage down you know and I was like <laughs> I'm gonna buy it and he did <laughs> I'm sorry um, and my mother is terribly supportive but she, she, she was yeah. right I was buying a lot of books that day she was like mm-hmm. please <laughs> buy something lighter no um, anyway so I read it then and I was like oh 
God. And that was sort of like the literary version, I think, of the same feelings that I'd had when I listened to or read about or read interviews with Florence and listened to Florence for the first time. Um, and then like the next year, I uh, I think I like it occurred to me to Google Florence Welsh and Angela Carter together to be like, oh, oh, does she mm. know about her? And she did. And she was talking about it's like, the taking, best, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. lost my mind. I she, She'd taken the fairy tales of Angela Carter on tour with her, I think. And. Um, and like obviously it's it's completely reasonable that Florence would know Angela Carter is Angela Carter is a huge um, a huge author in genres that like Florence is kind of known to like you know what I mean mm. but I lost the plot like, I think I like I, I, tell, I, I think I said to myself that I was having an epiphany and I don't know what I don't think I fully understood what an epiphany was at mm. that time but I was like whatever way my 17 year old brain interpreted the word epiphany I like put on like this gold dress and I was just running around my house I was like so like ah! And now they only need me to complete the trial. You know? <laughs> like, oh. um, yeah, Angela Carter died in 1992, but but she, I'm, she, I'm sure she knows about. She me. totally what's knows. Up, yeah. Angela, I love you so much. She's like <laughs> Angela Carter is just like like she. I feel like she's especially alive at the moment. Oh, so you know what I mean. I don't yeah. think she's ever gone. She's anywhere. up there laughing at us. Like she's like, look at these gals. Yeah, look at these look gals telling weird stories. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, so good. But yeah, like I remember kind of th- those two things like coincided for me mm. in quite a big way. Um, just turning the page. So it feels like... Say notes here. Um, <laughs> is the music almost like, not quite secondary, but like it's like equal to what Florence herself is. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, even even yeah. if music wasn't particularly good, you would still like her. I think I still like her. her. Yeah. But I think the dimension of music, because music, I'm not really musical. Like I took piano lessons for years and like, don't know how to play mm. piano like I'm just not like and I had the best teacher what's up Caroline <laughs> um but she yeah like I just I I used to feel so bad going into those lessons because I'd just be like I know I'm not very good and I yeah. know you know that I don't really enjoy this but I really like you and mm. just, but yeah anyway so I'm not musical at all so I think but but I love music and like it's always been really really big for me um at like every stage of my life and I think Florence is one of the artists who consistently has like released music and things Mm. at the really pinnacle times for me which has like kept her in my consciousness but yeah like I think her whole persona and like the things that she has been ready to talk about at all those times as well have been very like helpful to me um because she just like she's always been quite open like she has never really held back in what she's talked about um and she's always she seems like a very like emotionally intelligent person even from when she was like you know if you get people to get famous at 21 22 it's completely reasonable for them to go like to be, be nuts you know oh and monsters or yeah, yeah. have a pr who just speaks for them. right exactly mm. or to yeah. just not talk or you know there's all these things that it how it could have gone but she she's maintained a sort of level of like vulnerability and honesty that i think is quite rare she also feels to me to be uncancelable yeah. Do you know what I mean? She's There's a weird. I feel like she is <laughs> beloved intensely in a yeah. way, and outside of her her fandom, I'm still on Tumblr. Yeah. Um, and outside of <laughs> and outside of the 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 rabid fandom who are convinced that her and Hosier are in fact reincarnations of Pates and Persephone. This yeah, is the whole thing. Yeah, I know. I've seen that. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say they're not, but yeah, I but am I mean, also. I don't know. Yeah. Like, but if you know Hosier truth. in real life, Andrew. Like you have known. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> so you know. Well, I know that one's not true. So you know that's not. True. He's from Bray, he's not from hell. Um, but uh, this is this is the thing that there is obviously a, a this like amazing swirling kind of um, 
momentum around them. But outside of that, people aren't mad at Florence in the same way that they are consistently mad at like Ariana or consistently yeah. mad at like anybody else. Yeah, Do you know well, what I mean? she maintains a sort of low key presence, as in like mm. she does these interviews, she says all of these like astounding things. And tremendously and honest and painful things sometimes. Really. And like, like her last big one about um her eating disorder yeah, yeah, yeah. and mental illness Huge. and drugs. Yeah. The whole last album was super honest compared yeah. to the other stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think um she's grown in the public eye in a way that a lot of artists do but she's managed to do it in a way that nothing else has overshadowed what she's saying she hasn't like because she doesn't I mean she doesn't tweet out like she's not doing clapbacks yeah Yeah, exactly she's not like hitting out at people or like Mm. having even having public conversations with people at all so she keeps this like persona that I think just matches up so much with what she does appear to just be like. And I think the aesthetic really comes into that as well yeah. because mm. she's sort of outside the male gaze mm. in a way because she's hyper feminine, right? Yeah. She's ethereal as shit, but she's, and it's, it's not that she's not sexy, it's that she's not. That's not on her agenda. She's not soft. No, she has yeah. a very soft. strong face. Yeah. She yeah. hasn't aged at all in 10 years as no, well. No, she's fabulous. Because yeah. like, she I was. She's like a pre Raphaelite painting. Like, she's yeah. so ridiculously. Because like, I was 25 when the first album yeah. came out and she was 23. And I was like, I don't think she's 23. Yeah, she doesn't have the bones. But now it's 10 years later, I was like, okay, she probably was 23. She just has looked 30 and will look 30 forever. She's <laughs> That's just... the secret of a fringe, by the way, my guys. <laughs> <A> <laughs> That's why you get a heavy bones. fringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Heavy fringe and big cheekbones. She's just such a, like, astounding looking person, which mm. like ties into, I think, her obviously allows her to like have this kind of persona. But I also like, wonder about where that lands in terms of how the public eye is trained on her because yeah. it's not trained on her in a manner that feels like undermining her sexuality or scrutinizing yeah. her body mm. or anything like that she has mm. somehow remained outside of that and I think that it's the aesthetic really is part of it because yeah, it's not sure. the songs aren't romantic and sexy yeah. and all of that they are but yeah. there's something that is there's some gauze this is why she's totally a witch and has some yeah. fucking she, Angela Carter protective spell <laughs> around her but she just is I'm, I'm gonna say con- controversy proof in it a way seem so. yeah. that I maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm missing something but she hasn't inspired a lot of controversy. Yeah, you know, like over the whatever time. I feel like once I saw a terribly sad video like of her. Kiss singing. with a fist did a bit at the time. Yeah, yeah. people kind of said yeah. that it like glorified domestic violence. Yeah, but like it wouldn't come out today. Yeah, but it's also not. But it's not, it's not a representative from no, her work like, at all. It's yeah, just a but also banger. that's a metaphorical pop mm. banger. Like, yeah, there is. In no way is she encouraging. I love to, do that to punch too. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's. I love yeah. to hit others. Setting beds on fire. With mm. matches. Do it. It's like, good. It's, it's not, good. Yeah. It's good, actually. Arson and violence. It's yeah. actually no. cool. No, uh, it's not that. The like, nuance, but, lads. Yeah. Um, um, it's just because she's not really part of the modern world necessarily, but she is like, she will like wave a rainbow flag. But yeah, she doesn't also she doesn't... In the discourse. Did you see, there was like a tour of like her house, she had a photographer yeah. into her house, and it was like, yeah, that's what Florence Welch's well, house so was like. Of course it is. like inside of what you would imagine inside of her brain might look like. Exactly, yeah. Um also like my ideal house like mm. every room so, it's so weird like so it's beautiful. a fully fledged persona but you don't get a sense of artifice from it no it does feel like it, she is just this hugely expansively aesthetic person yeah and it's just and it's she's got an opportunity to like live it right it's yeah. incredible to um, see somebody just be so kind of unapologetically themselves mm. but in a way that's not actually like incendiary or or in any way like um, kind of it doesn't like elicit any sort of negativity from people. Yeah. Mm. That's unusual. Like Usually someone being unapologetically themselves mean they're being an asshole. Yeah, no, and but how that, is she not being an asshole? Yeah. yeah. Like I want that 
Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I, she, it's not neutral. She's, she's mm. kind of one of those people who tells it like it is, but actually, you know, from her perspective, uh, that's fine. You know, like she doesn't say <laughs> yeah. anything. Like so often people who tell it like it is are people who never say anything nice about anybody. Yeah. Um, but but use it brutally honest to be an excuse, to, right. as an excuse to be brutal. Exactly. Or Tarflin's line that um, people who think they're telling it like it is are just telling it like it isn't but loud. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well yeah. done, Tara. Yeah, yeah go on, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so there's a poem above, uh, you probably know this story, above uh, her bed. Mm. Do you know the story? That there was, she gave an interview to the Standard about it. Um, this poem, before just before she, you know, released uh, the book of yeah. poetry or whatever. It's called Frida Kahlo, Frida Kahlo to Marty McConnell. Oh, and it, okay. And uh, so I, I um, back when I was a spoken word performer, I'm retired, mm-hmm. um, met Marty and she had, does this incredible poem that went super viral and that people continually took out of context because they thought it was written by Frida Kahlo because it's called From Frida Kahlo to Marty McConnell. Mm. Um, it's sort of an out-of-body advice type poem, okay. right? And uh, Florence Welsh kept it above her bed. Oh for a long time um, I don't know if she knew that mm. it wasn't by Frida Kahlo I don't know mm. what that muddied thing was but I remember seeing an interview with her in the standard and like the, the house tour type yeah, thing yeah. and uh, there was Marty's Frida Kahlo poem and I was just like what the fuck and that was before the because she's so obviously yeah. a poet like yes. of course she's a poet yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, and there is no pushback against that either her, yeah. po- her poetness yeah. you know she has the permission to be that yeah. Whereas lots of other celebs, inverted commas, if they released a book of poetry or, or whatever, would be like, oh, cool, James Franco, good job. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say because you could? Yeah. <laughs> Were. Yeah, I think you she's know? carved out a space for herself in the public consciousness that nobody else has because she just isn't, she like genuinely isn't like anyone else, which is really rare. Like, I think... She like, doesn't have any imitators either. Yeah, she doesn't, her music doesn't sound like anyone else. Mm. No, you're dead right. Like, yeah. and that's so unusual. Like, even like, some of the best most original artists their influences are clear yeah. like, and Regina Spe- like so many Regina Spector somewhere in the background of most artists at the moment yeah. you can kind of you yeah. kind of feel Regina Spector's Spector somewhere somewhere yeah. in the DNA of Florence yeah but Regina it's not Spector, obvious Patty Smith like it's under Grace there Slick, those mm. sorts of people but, but like it's not there it's not no, no. it's not at the top like no. it's not at the surface where I think that's interesting and also like her aesthetic nobody else was doing that either mm. like you know and I think nobody else was kind of embracing the same um, kind of otherworldly themes mm. in pop music. Oh yeah, yeah. like in 2009 it was like just after New Rave. It was like opposite of New Rave. So yeah. was like... I worked in Urban Outfitters during New Rave so I have seen the end <laughs> of the earth. Okay, I have been there and it was but day she, yeah, well, I mean, wool she and smocks. coming out at the same time as the Glaxons. The Glaxons. Mm. Yeah, there's a picture of her like shifting Jamie from the Klaxons at Glastonbury. Girl. Which I love. <laughs> I really love the Klaxons also. Um, I, I mean, yeah, like, one of the Klaxons is now married to Kira Knightley. Were really? yeah, James Wrighton. Good, oh. fair, fair play, James Wrighton. Yeah, yeah. Get that Pirates card. Yeah, I really fancied James Wrighton back in the day also, and when I was also really into Twilight when it came out, and um, imagined him as Edward Cullen. Whoa, mm. what a crossover. That was prior to the movies. They had the other Jamie from yeah. Claxons on, never mind the Buzzcocks once, and Simon Ansel was like, now there's two of you called James, isn't there? Um, and I, I definitely thought we were getting the other one. <laughs> 
Oh, and I miss Buzzcocks. Yeah. Oh my god, I miss, I miss Simon so Ansel so much. Yeah. I like I feel like I hark back to quotes from him on oh, yeah. the Buzzcocks. There's so many things I hear often. in his voice. Yeah. Yeah, like celebrity See, names. I, I yeah. weirdly grew up watching Mark Lamar on, on Oh, so did I, yeah. yeah. So I never liked Simon Ansel. Oh, no. I still don't enjoy him too. I much. enjoy him so much. I like I'm open to being brought around. Because he was on um, Nickelodeon like in his really early yeah. years and then got fired because he was being too sarcastic to children. <laughs> there's, a video, there's a video of him on Pop World, the Martin McCutcheon video. Have you seen this? I've not seen that there's one. There's a rat in yeah. McCutcheon, What Am I Gonna Do? where they showed her an effigy of herself uh, made like a scarecrow. Yeah. And they were playing a game where she had to find like golden rats inside the effigy of herself like mm-hmm. there's a rat in my kitchen when I'm gonna while that played with yeah. the like it was this he is he is off the fucking walls oh, man. that video exists him. it's very good it's I very recently good. rewatched the one where um, Preston walks off oh. you know yeah. and he like starts reading excerpts from Chantal's I remember that yeah. Yeah, yeah. I felt really upmarket and posh fuck you man so mean I Ooh. frequently say that things feel me, make me feel really <laughs> upmarket and posh I actually almost said it uh, Alan prior to the start of this podcast asked me how the Irish Book Awards were and I was like <laughs> well very and posh. I felt very upmarket and posh I must say um, but yeah man that was a whole different time wasn't it like mm. really that that cultural moment with the gossip yeah. and the claxons and um, CSS it was gorgeous it was so fun I loved it because mm. like I like yeah I was so into it I think I was a really scaldy 19 year old or something at the time I was just like a really obsessive 16 year old yeah I was was like yeah (laughs) See, I was in my I was like 23 24 so Mm. I was too old to dress new rave I remember yeah. one of our friends got like a new rave hoodie and we called it his new rave hoodie. Oh, <laughs> so good and mean. That's yeah. So yeah. Um, and again, 24 is baby age, so y'all oh, are yeah, cynical. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so goth. Yeah, I, I um, remember uh, the, I worked for three months in Urban Outfitters before I angrily quit, which is the story mm-hmm. of my entire employment career, by the way. It always <laughs> I worked there for X amount of months and then I angrily quit. Because <laughs> yeah. um, that's just capitalism, man. I just couldn't do it from day one. But I... Um, asked to be moved off of the shop floor into the storeroom which is smaller than the room that we're in now uh, because of the music on the shop floor which was really just CSS and the gossip oh and etc it was just that new rave lineup yeah mm. over and over and over yeah. and over and over like it was it was uh, it, it got extremely deep in on me and mm. in the stock room I could put my headphones on and I was just like labeling disgusting neon clothes. Um, I don't know. I I uh, I I was not of that. I'm not. I'm not of that time. Was not mm. cool. Was yeah. not into it. Um, no, luckily Florence came along. But no, but I did love her, and yeah. it, it felt nice to like to like anything. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, She's fucking gorgeous. Oh, she was great. She's so great. Big fringe, long hair, very good. Yeah, very into it. And like, I fe- I just feel like. Everything she's ever talked about liking, I haven't also sometime, uh, at mm. one point liked, which is like, not even because because she liked it. Like she will mention things that I was also into. Or yeah. like, um, I remember she used to. There were, I'm sure they're still there on YouTube videos of her walking around New York and also around LA, and they're just like little. I think they're called like Florence's notes from LA or Florence's notes mm. from New York. And I like back in the day of like LimeWire and ripping <gasps> things from YouTube, ripped the audio from those um, and used to listen to them on my iPod because that they're the just I've ever heard so, love it. so <laughs> oh my God. gentle and lovely. And they're sort of soundtracked by little like from her songs and from some of her gentler songs. And like it's like she really loves New York and LA. And now that I have also been to both those places, I also really love them. And I 
I kind of feel like I knew that I would and not necessarily because of her but like I have hunches about you know everyone gets hunches about things like I think I'm really gonna love that Mm. or like books like I think I'm really gonna love that book and like New York and LA were two places that I think a lot of people don't like. A lot of people mm. don't hate I, LA. I hate LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, we, I mean, and, and I totally understand why, but like, I I love it. Um, I thought it was so beautiful and strange. And I think like she describes it as like, she's like, it's amazing when you drive up in the Hollywood Hills because every everyone's house is a dream house. Everyone here is living here because they've achieved their dream, basically. So you have ones that are like made like pine lodges or made mm. like princess castles. And there's all, it's like this not real place. Um, and I remember kind of like when I, I was just there for a few days in the summer only like I wasn't like living there or anything mm-hmm. but um, it's so I remember even looking at the trees and realising that I was surprised to see they were moving I don't know somehow unconsciously believed that everything there was like made up and mm-hmm. I'd seen this like zephyr amongst the leaves of the palm trees and was like oh my god this is all real and like she had made it into this like beautiful story narrative that I sort of like stepped into when I got off mm. the plane and like um, what an amazing thing to experience yeah, something through it. the lens of somebody so, so brilliant yeah absolutely yeah. and like I used to like kind of dream about my future life like frolicking around those places listening to those um, the audio of those videos and um, I actually forgot to tell a story earlier that I want to hark back to that yeah, has nothing ahead. to do with this but it has to do with um, seeing her uh, gigs in the Olympia um, so me and my friend who were both equally obsessed with Florence she had made me for my birthday uh, a little Florence doll it was wow. like it looked like a little voodoo doll but it wasn't it was like <laughs> the opposite of a yeah. voodoo doll it was a nice doll with no bad and ill intent at all <laughs> but it was really cute as this little doll it had like a little black cape and like red hair and everything and we, we were going to see her and we were like oh, will we make her a doll will we make her a doll Will we? Will we do it? Will we? Will we put our email addresses in it? <laughs> um, and we did. Yeah. Uh, so we made her this doll. We were going with our with our other friend who was like really sporty, and we were like, yeah, yeah. We just get Louise. Louise has a really good overarm. <laughs> we get her to throw it for us to the stage. Bring your athlete friend. Yeah. yeah. Book the doll. I know. She as our twelve. Do you have any interest in coming to find the machine? No, no reason How's why. Your arm? <laughs> Work um, condition, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she liked her too, but um, yeah, we were we knew we had balcony seats. We were like, good, we'll have a good like aim, and uh, so we did. We like made this doll. We put a little. I don't know how. Why? How did we affix our email addresses? I feel like we put it inside or something, but I don't know how she was supposed to retrieve that. She would have known. She would. I felt like she would have known. Yeah, sensed it. Yeah, yeah. So we had. <laughs> we like got Louise to like. I'd like a like a lull uh, to throw the doll, and it bounced off the stage and dropped down the front, and we were like, oh, no! <laughs> and then, and then she saw it, and she was like, oh my god, is that a doll? And she got like the security man to hand it up to her, and she like played on stage and like put it on her little keyboard, Aww. and we were like crying, <laughs> like yeah. screeching, just completely like little animals like losing our minds up in the balcony yeah. and then the ladies beside us gave us some wine oh <laughs> heroes we were like unreal um, yeah so that I did that that's, that's amazing that's the entire that is the, the best case scenario for that story I yeah, know yeah. and not only did Florence Lovich put on the piano and your pals next to you and loved it I, and gave you wine right and I came home from that like night out and I think I wrote what became the bones of my first ever published short story Wow. Yeah, um, which was it was called. It's actually called "The Body in the Garden," which is a lyric from her song "Blinding," which is like my favorite song off Lungs, um, and it was published in the Runt Zine. Oh, 
fabulous. Yeah. Fucking hell, man. That's gorgeous. What amazing. So, like, really, like, she's been very influential in, mm. like, a lot of ways. And I'm just thinking now, like, oh, it does everything I've ever written. No, I, I, have, I have this Is it well. based on all of her songs? Oh, yeah. no. no. but I completely have that <laughs> Have right I written, well. like, the book version of a concept album? Like, <laughs> that's kind of good, yeah, though. That's, yeah. what a, that's what a good collection of short stories should yeah. be. It should be a concept album. Yeah, and totally. it is amazing to have a piece of culture or, like, in this case, I guess a person, which mm. I don't think I've had, but I have, I've had totemic pieces of culture which I've gone back to like an altar which I kind of put my head on and then I come back with like maybe a fucking twelfth of an idea for something yeah do you yeah. know you have places that when you, you go just to feel, feel yeah exactly you know? like and you just feel yeah I just like I remember just like completely having feeling like my brain had like exploded also I remember I think I bought at that gig she was on her merch stand selling mm. little notebooks <gasps> <laughs> what what else was gonna happen? You know, she just set it up for me. She knew. She yeah. had little notebooks with Florence Machine, and I think I wrote like the first like line or whatever of that um, in that notebook, which I have still, obviously. Um, but yeah, like just 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 uh, it's all lined up. But I feel like as well, like not only has she released albums at very pinnacle times in my life, she's also like. Um, like spoken about influences at the same time that I'm mm. going through them like her last album High Hope was written when she was in New York mentions being in New York all the time I was also living in New York yeah. at that time um, she has a song called Patricia on it which is an ode to Patti Smith I also love Patti <laughs> Smith which like obviously like everyone loves Patti Smith but like I had read I had gone to New York like so like a, a large percentage of the reason I moved to New York was because I read Just Kids and like I am far from the first person to do that but like Just Kids happens at a Just Just Kids isn't something that I think Just Kids happens to people right, right. And I like, think it either people are just like oh yeah whatever so, or it, it's a very total oh, moment oh in your god, life oh god so yeah. completely so I my parents really love Patti Smith and like had I remember like used to play Easter in the house all the time and then um, shout out to Patti Smith's armpit hair on the cover of Easter making me feel like that was okay when I was young. Um, but uh, she had played Electric Picnic when I, like, I think in like 2011 maybe, and I had totally intended, I was at Electric Picnic and I, she was on my list of people to go and see, mm. but I forgot to go and see her because I was drunk in a field and um, came to like two hours afterwards. And, oh, That's no. what Patty Smith would have done herself Fuck though, to be fair, <laughs> you know, like, you um, know. Oh, would she though? Like she was yeah. so like, I don't know. Anyway, I felt very ashamed. And anyway, like I had intended my whole plan because I had, I had a hunch about just kids. And like I hadn't even read. I didn't even know it was such a like cultural moment for people. I had just seen it in the bookshop and been mm. like, I'm gonna love that book, and I can't help it. Like, no, I'm gonna love it. And mm. like, uh, and it kind of the the knowledge from wherever it came from that I was going to like this book was going to be huge for me um, was a little bit overwhelming to the point where I avoided it. And then I was like, grand. I'll go see her at Electric Picnic and then I'll read it. And then I missed her. And then I was like, well, I can't read it now because I'll, I'll be overcome with regret for having missed her. So then a couple of years later, I was going to see her at Primavera. Um, and so I bought the book and I read it ahead of seeing her. And like, they've just like changed my whole life basically. And then I went to see her at Primavera and she played not only a main stage show, but then she played like an, an acoustic show the next day indoors and like, She's just so fucking good. Like, 
Sorry for swearing. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I think I've actually already sworn several times. We probably have too. I just feel like when people don't swear, you need to go. You know, you can swear. Oh right, okay. No, no children. No children here. No children listen to this at all. But yeah, like, and so that I was like, grand, okay got that out of my system a bit mm. now um, but obviously then started reading her other books and then M Train came out and I read um, M Train and then moved to New York and ended up living on the M Train line and like when the year that I moved or the summer that I moved to New York she released her book Devotion so she was I mean not only does she live in New York and do a lot of stuff around there but like she was actively doing book launches and like she also played a uh, um tribute uh, gig to her husband in Central Park so like within I was, I was like I'm going to New York to find Patti Smith and within like two months I had like seen her like four times or something mm-hmm. and I'd also met her at a book launch and she told me my name was cool and I cried and then I told my mum and she cried <laughs> and like we were both just like oh my that's god kind of, that's, yeah. New York yeah. is so hostile but the magic that it holds is mm. that I have a friend who lives um, right down the river and can see the Statue. Her Instagram yeah. is w- worth following uh, for her tiny cat and her Aww. incredible view of the city. Oh, from wow. like she lives on like the fucking thirty something floor. Wow. Right? But one of the co- she only moved there from San Francisco a year ago, and she was just like, I can just walk up the block and see Lizzo tonight. Wednesday, I'm gonna go see Carly Rae Jepsen. Like everything is constantly happening in New York. Yeah, like, totally. You, I would say it, it doesn't take you long. It wouldn't take me long to get desensitized to just how every day the access mm. to people at the very top end of art yeah because in, in Ireland you're kind of going oh maybe Patti Smith might play Emma next year maybe yeah. whereas yeah. in New York it's like oh she's going to be at this bookstore giving it like a conversation yeah. oh yeah on like, Thursday we were in New York last year or last year yeah last year we went to UCB just to see some stand up and Janine Groflow dropped in to do some stand up probably on the way back from fucking Whole Foods or some yeah, shit yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, no it is outrageous I yeah. like I think I even stopped keeping the list of people I just walked mm. by in the street like absolutely outrageous but um and that's why new yorkers are so like they don't grumpy care at all care. i'd be walking down the street with like people from new york and i'd be like trying to be cool not they, able to be cool at all they'd be mm. like ah, that's so cute <laughs> i'd be like <laughs> i just saw the mom from gossip girl like ah! <laughs> i did though <laughs> what's up lily vanderwoodson <laughs> i like yeah i like saw these two little um like uh, sausage dogs and I was like oh so cute they're so cute and then I looked up at the woman walking them and I was like oh my god Kelly Roth- uh, oh my god Rutherford Rothford. Oh, what's her name this is terrible I'm going to look it up on my phone I can't let her down In New York, so New York is a weird one man yeah I, I, I was there twice this year I'll probably be there next year at some point but like it's a it's Rutherford. an intense romance yeah of totally a, of a place I, I have friends who moved there and who still live there mm. Uh, from Ireland and uh, Americans who relocated there because it was cheaper to live there than the Bay Area. <laughs> um, and I think I think it does make you hard. Is the thing I kind of mm. like how difficult it is to I see like. fancy people here. You know, whereas <laughs> over there you become real. I get real desensitized really oh, easily. So I, I didn't like meh. I was like <laughs> up until the last day I was living there. I was like, <gasps> it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but um, sure. Look, maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. Yeah. Not a not a good time in a. Oh, I suppose in history. modern history to be <laughs> attempting to migrate there, but uh, mm. we'll see. Um, but yeah, so. yeah. So we were talking about the, her poetry book before we started. So do you want to finish so up with that? Beautiful, yeah. Useless Magic, it's called. And I, I reread it ahead, ahead of coming here. And um, oh, it's just, it's such a, like, I think, like, it's an unbelievably beautiful object. 
like it's like a, this like beautiful material cover it's red and it's full of all of her illustrations and like paintings and poems and things that both she has done but that also inspired her um throughout her career and it's also it's also split up into her four albums which each have such a different aesthetic which are really strongly linked to different art styles like her first one is quite like kind of pre-raphaelite a little bit steampunky and then the second one is ceremonials which is totally art deco totally like 20s um the third one is um how big are you blue how beautiful which is a little bit more paired back but is like very much set in sort of like contemporary like the magic of like la and how um kind of the weird possibilities of living there and the sort of like strange dynamic that you have to adopt to live in a place that's populated or so completely like um exists because of people's need to make it a need to be creative in a public sphere and need to like make like different art forms and like it's just such a, a kind of unique place in that way and it like exists so specifically for such a specific purpose basically and like that's very interesting and like her whole aesthetic at that time kind of I feel like it went a little bit more away from the stuff that she was like wearing or a particular like art genre but it sort of like went more internal into mm. like internal demons and stuff which I thought was really interesting it's a much more somber album than the other ones yeah definitely mm. and I think that's when she started to fully sort of like um, take a step back from fame I was actually listening to a podcast that she was on on my way here um, She did, I think it's called What Makes Florence's Machine Tick or something it's a Rolling Stone um, segment and she's talking about when she was like she sort of got famous when she was like 21 or something and um, when she was like 27 or 28 she started to kind of like take a slight step back and be like okay I need to like chill out for a minute and kind of address things that were going on and I think a little bit later on then she stopped drinking and started to address her demons but I think if that album she does do that like like more publicly and the videos from that album also address it. and I think around that time as well she did the Odyssey which is like a short film um kind of comprised of different aspects of her videos from that album and like obviously it's inspired by like Greek myth and like but it's also like she's wearing more, more kind of like kind of contemporary clothing and like um it's just a little bit more um serious or something mm. um and then her more recent one which is kind of her it's way more calm I feel like but also kind of harks back a little bit to like her earlier ones with songs like Patricia and stuff which is a little bit more like um, uh, kind of all encompassing and like mm. you know you can really feel like you can kind of lose yourself to those songs. It did because it did, I um, I bought her first album when it came out and then yeah. kind of fell off and just started listening to the other three albums and coming mm. up to this and the fourth one is very musically like the first one but like yeah. lyrically like much more direct yeah she's, she's like, like I had an eating disorder yeah it's basically yeah. like a lyric in the song I know, yeah. yeah basically yeah. yeah which is I mean uh, she was so into kind of heavy metaphor at the start mm. so to hear similar songs but where the lyrics are a little bit more um, like naked yeah, yeah they're yeah. just like yeah, yeah. honest um, and they're not kind of um, dressed up it's very interesting and mm. like she, her progression as an artist is just so fascinating I think and like also she I mean she, uh, as well like, sorry I didn't even mention this but she's got a book club you know 
um, called Between she? Two Books. Yeah, that's it's hilarious. Kind of, it's, yeah, it's fan run. I think it's an Irish girl who runs it. No way, it should have been me. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's an Irish girl who runs it. Yeah, and uh, they like and Florence goes to book festivals off the back of that. Like and like speaks about her favorite books really like often. It's one of okay, her favorite. Okay, if topics. anybody can tell me how to get a copy of Other Words for Smoke to Florence Welsh, yeah. I believe she would enjoy it. Yeah, she would. Please let me know. Oh my God, Griffsky on Twitter. <laughs> let me know. Yeah. Because 2020. <laughs> because yes, she, like, she like collaborates with the girl who runs it on picking the book and stuff. So like, you know, oh, whose DMs do I have yeah. to get yeah. into to make this Seriously. happen? Um, kind of not joking. Yeah, it's very interesting. She was at the um, the Boris House Festival writing festival. Boris is very Florence Welsh. That's yeah, very funny. Yeah, I know. Um, and uh, yeah, she like she's really like she has a really like literary side, which I think is also very interesting. Mm-hmm. As very a pop clear star. in her work. Yeah, and yeah. very clear in her work. Of course, like it's clear that like a lot of um, you know, a lot of like artists love literature, but also a lot Lana of Del Rey of, loves literature. Yeah. But also you know, a lot too, of singers don't read, and they don't yeah. have to. Do you know? Oh, what no, I mean? Exactly. I mean, it's totally not a, a necessity, but it's just it's interesting to look at her work in relation to the things that she's also like quite publicly passionate about and like works at too, mm. um, which I think is very cool. Um, yeah, you've got to tell she reads, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, obviously. You kind of get a vibe off of people who read. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, you're a nerd. Yeah. No, you get it. And she was talking about um, on that podcast I was listening to talking about um, she like started reading um, the Wind Up Bird Chronicle by Murakami mm. for the book club, um, and then at that same week or something, Patty Smith published something about re- reading it too, and she was just like, ah, and that's exactly the same sort of like. Uh, like coincidence linking thing that I uh, kind of felt with both of those mm. people so uh, connected by yeah exactly yeah. so again the triad there we go yeah that's exactly Laura Blaise McDool thank you so much yeah. this was that was fascinating, fascinating. Oh, thank you so yeah. much uh, I really been so fun. I feel yeah. really inspired now oh, I feel yeah. like I want to just go home and mainline uh Lungs forever now. Yeah. yeah, tell us where we can find you on stuff and where we can um, find your stuff. Yeah, where can we read you? Uh, you can read me on. Um, well, Balloon Animals is on the Irish Times um, and also on writing.ie. Um, everything else I've ever published, which is not a huge amount, to be honest, um, is on my... I have a WordPress site, laurablazemcdool.wordpress.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at blazinsquad, um, B-L-A-I-S-I-N, squad. Uh, do you guys remember blazinsquad? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, because... Yeah, everyone kind of up until, or like my age and older remembers them, but then like my sister's like, what does your handle mean? Like, you know, it's like, very, <laughs> very specific it joke from 12 one, men. <laughs> 12 young men. 12 young men who really made a difference. Um, anyway, yes, at Blazing Squad on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, thanks so much for having me. This Thank you, so Sarah. Thank you. you. Yeah. yeah. Um, Florence Welsh, <laughs> at me. Other words yeah. for smoke has got this fuck, you would enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I'm at Griffsky, G-R-I-F-F-S-K-I on Twitter. I'm at Sarah Griffsky on Instagram. I sell zines and shit. I don't know. I have a big cat. I got the content you want to see, I suppose. Um, Alan McGuire, where can we find you on the internet? I am Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Juvenalia is Juvenalia Potter underscore pod, depending on what was available when we mm. signed up to each website. <laughs> uh, we have a Patreon. It has it should have three bonus episodes yeah. for $5 people and a badge and a sticker for $1 people yeah. as of right now. Uh, thank you to Dee McDonald for our artwork. Thanks, Dee. Thank you to Cassie for Thanks, producing. Thanks, Cassie. Thanks, Cassie. And yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Thank you, Laura. Please. Thank Woo-hoo. you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.